This is the Music Therapy Chronicles podcast interview with Sonja Muller. And it's very apparent when you listen to his music is that he writes about everyday people and everyday problems. And the people that he writes about, you know, he do, he hasn't necessarily experienced the things that he's writing about. Um, you know, he writes about a lot. He writes a lot about the dying fishing industry on the East Coast and, you know, fishermen who moved out West to become Calgary roughnecks, I'm putting that in quotations, um, who go and, you know, they go and dig for oil. Um, and he didn't actually live that, but he's able to write about it. He didn't actually live the life of a farmer, but he's able to write about it. And so I, I, I sort of had to do a bit of digging and, and think about what does that mean to use that kind of music, that sort of perspective in music therapy. And I came up with the, I mean, maybe someone else has thought of this already, but I thought it was kind of original, the idea of empathetic songwriting, where you you think about the experiences of someone else, you walk a mile in their shoes, and then you put it in the music. And that's something that he did, which I think makes his music really valid and important in music therapy is his approach to his songwriting. You're listening to the Music Therapy Chronicles, a podcast about music therapy from a variety of perspectives. Our ambition is to inspire and connect listeners through meaningful conversations, just like a music therapy conference you can listen to anywhere. My name is Trisha Kayati, and I am a board-certified music therapist from the New England region. If you like what you hear, join our group on Facebook and share your own insights and thoughts about the episodes. You can also connect with us on social media and online at Music Therapy Chronicles. Welcome back to the Music Therapy Chronicles. I hope you're having a fabulous week and you're looking forward to this conversation with Sonia. We dive into so many cool topics, starting off with sustainability, and you'll hear a lot of the different things we mention, all which will, of course, be linked in the show notes, so please check out those resources. We also talk about her passion for using Canadian music and get into some existential questions about what is Canadian music, how are we defining things like that, how do we use it, what are the the cultural considerations we have to take into account, so on and so forth. So as I say in this episode, I'm really excited to see where these questions take Sonia and some of the potential answers she comes up with, as well as some of the additional questions that arise and how our profession will continue to dive into these to gain some insight, possibly some answers, and hopefully some direction. As always, thank you so much for listening to the show. And if you're looking for additional ways to support the podcast, please make sure you are subscribed so you never miss an episode and also follow us on social media. We are at Music Therapy Chronicles on all the platforms. You can additionally become a patron on patreon.com and patrons have the exclusive opportunity to ask guest questions. So if you ever wanted to have some of your own questions asked during an interview, a, an episode, that's the place to do that. And a big announcement for this week, um, we still have three pod courses on sale over at Music Therapy Podcast Collective. 
Uh, we're really excited for these pod courses. They'll be on sale for about one more week before they go up to full price. Each of them is $20 off right now. And to celebrate the launch of these three new courses with the Able Voice podcast, the Voices of Music Therapy podcast, and the Navigating Adulthood and IDD podcast, the entire shop is on sale. So we now have seven courses that you can purchase each for $20 off for the remainder of the week. And um, yeah. We're really excited to offer those and purchasing a pod course over on mtpodcastcollective.com is a great way to support the shows you already listen to and love. And you can, of course, follow MT Podcast Collective on all the social media platforms and uh, jump on that newsletter so you never miss future launches or discounts. All right, that's enough announcements for this week. Let's get into this episode with Sonia. All right, Sonia, welcome to the Music Therapy Chronicles. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for I'm making so me excited. I'm excited. <laughs> I love having a listener of the show on. And even in like the few minutes before I hit record, you have told me so much about the value you're getting from the show. And um, yes. my ego needs that. So thank you. Yeah. When you posted on Instagram asking if people wanted to be on the show, I was just like, yeah, I love her show. I would be on it. I wasn't actually expecting you to <laughs> get back to me saying, yes, let's do it. So I'm, I'm thrilled. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you for reaching out. Cause that, that's a huge step too. I like doing that because, um, you know, I always say like, email me, whatever, but I feel like that is just one more barrier that intimidates people. Or if it's just yeah. like, Put your put your whatever and answer this answer box and then all of a sudden it's like I've got gotcha. you. <laughs> yeah, like Instagram, it makes it so easy to respond. It's like, do you want to be on the show? Yes or no? Mm -hmm. Or move on. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Cool. So, so yeah, tell us um, to start. Just tell the listeners about yourself. It could be music therapy related. It could be not. Just give them a, sure. a picture of who you are. Yeah, so I am a Canadian music therapy student right now. I'm currently completing my internship uh, with Find Your Voice Music Therapy in Kingston, Ontario. Bit of a name drop there. Um, and yeah, I play violin. That's my main instrument. I play guitar, piano, and I sing. What else? That's sort of the musical side of me I guess I'm classically trained violinist but really getting into guitar this year I've been really enjoying that um I am a cat mom I adopted a kitten from a farm <laughs> that was overrun with feral cats um so you'll probably hear her she's in this room with me she cries if she's not in there and we don't want to hear that so <laughs> I let her in but she might chew on the plants um what else I go for lots of walks <laughs> and I bake and I garden. That's basically me in a nutshell. <laughs> Love that. So this is like yeah. your peak season because this is when the gardening happens. It's warm. So you want to be outside to walk. Yeah, totally. I planted um, beets and carrots. I, I made garden boxes last mm. summer because I had so much extra time. Uh, my job was canceled because of COVID. Um, and so, yeah, I was like, I'm going to be a farmer. And I like volunteered on a farm and I built garden boxes 
and I grew all sorts of stuff. Um, so I'm growing beets and carrots and lemon balm to make syrup out of. Goes so real well cool. in tequila. Wow. <laughs> what yeah. like great experience that um like will just allow you to do so much in life. Like yeah. being able to grow your own food is such a cool yeah. life skill. Yeah, it totally is. <laughs> I'm just gonna move her. No worries. <laughs> um yeah, it really last summer it really opened my eyes to think about where our food comes from mm. and the processes that go into you know, not just growing it on a mass scale, but the transportation to get it to us and the impact that has on the environment. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they say we don't need everybody doing zero waste and sustainability perfectly. We just need everyone to try and do it imperfectly. So I figure, you know, if I can, if I can, you know, move out and have some land and grow some of my own food, that'll have less of an impact on the environment. Oh, wow. I'm so glad you touched yeah. on this. Uh, sustainability <laughs> is really close to my heart. I, I don't think I've talked yeah. about it much on the show, but I used to work at a nature camp and um, stuff like that. So just for people in the States, I'll do a plug. Uh, I get my produce delivered to my house um, from a company called Misfits Market, and they find produce that is destined for landfill. Uh, just Ooh. because it's shaped funny or it's yeah. you know maybe a little discolored and and every week you get a box of produce so I'll put a link in the show notes for that and um I think I might even have a discount code so if you're listening no worries <laughs> love the cat noises uh if you're listening and you're in the states I'll I'll have a link for Misfit Market I had a different another thought too but it has escaped me mm. but anyway yes sustainability super important yeah um Thank you. Thank you for touching on that. Yeah, that sort of reminds me, I know it's a music therapy podcast and I promise we'll get into it, but it reminds me of, um, there's a company, I don't know if you have it in Canada or in the States, sorry, excuse me. Um, there's a, a product you can get at grocery stores when you can buy like the frozen fruit. You can also buy, I think it's called naturally imperfect produce. Yeah. And it's, yeah. Do you have that there? Yeah. Um, it's like, all of the strawberries that were not pretty enough to go out fresh they froze them and now mm -hmm. you can put them in your smoothies because who cares if your strawberries in your smoothie have a spot on them they're getting blended <laughs> right you're right so um mm -hmm. the other one that reminded me of is imperfect foods is similar to misfits market but they service <clears throat> different different parts of the country so yeah we'll have lots of sustainability stuff linked yes. in the show notes already i love that yeah um, Super cool. So cool. All right. So tell us about music therapy, how you got into music therapy and where you're at now. Yeah. Um, well, I guess the start of it was when I was in high school, I was like really into medical stuff and anatomy and biology. I was like the nerd in biology who was like, making textbook notes and like writing everything out and then going home and then like reprinting it and doing like elaborate illustrations and I was like really into it I was like I'm gonna be a doctor this is gonna happen I'm gonna be like a, a, a cardio surgeon like Christina Yang like this is gonna happen and um math wasn't fun chemistry wasn't fun physics was never gonna happen and biology was basically the only thing I had going for me so I was like okay well maybe not a doctor but how else am I able to help people? Hmm. Because I was like, well, I'm a musician. So I took a quiz and it was like, you should be a music therapist. And I was like, okay. 
I can, I can do that. <laughs> that sounds like something within my skill set and something that I would be good at. Um, so I auditioned for Laurier and I, I chose Laurier, um, mostly because of the teacher there, Yerji Kaplanik. He, um, is a great studio violin teacher. And that was the main reason because I really wanted to be good at violin. Um, but also because they offer such a huge variety of courses that you can choose from and specialties. Like, so after you finish second year, it really opens up, you know, you can go down the education stream, com composition, theory, and music therapy. Um, and they also have another program, community music, community music, um, which I actually switched into. It's sort of a long story. I don't know if you want to get into it. Get into whatever um, you want. <laughs> okay, so I started off in the program they call Common Year, which is basically, um, you know, they're setting you up to be a, a professional performance musician. You know, like mm -hmm. you're going to go play in an orchestra. It's all the classical training. Um, you know, you wouldn't find anybody on ukulele in that program, that sort of, that sort of deal. And um, part of that program is over the summer going into your next year, you have to learn a bunch of really difficult orchestral excerpts. Lovely. And there was one, I think it was between first and second year, I was working in Algonquin Park where there's like no Wi-Fi, and even just to print these excerpts was a hassle and practicing them, you know, in a dorm out in the woods when you could be like out enjoying nature. It was just such a bummer <laughs> doing all of that. So I was like, okay, well, do I actually need to do this? Do I actually need to know how to play these Tchaikovsky symphonies to be a music therapist, to be a good music therapist? Do I really need to do that? And I realized, no, I need to know how to connect with people through music mm. and I need to know how to um, like really share experiences with people through music and um, so it dawned on me that maybe the program I was in was not what I was supposed to be doing which is really a scary thought when you're out in the middle of nowhere and there's not much you can do about it yeah yeah <laughs> so I um I used my data because no Wi-Fi and I emailed the academic advisor and she was like, well, you can switch into community music. Um, and so I, you know, I had phone calls with the program coordinator, Deanna Yurichuk, Dr. Deanna Yurichuk. We call her Dr. D. Dr. D hooked me up. Um, we talked about the program and we set up an audition. My dad came all the way from Kingston to Algonquin Park, drove me to, um, to Laurier for my audition. And that sort of started me on this, on the path to music therapy, like officially, because mm -hmm. that program really taught me the skills that I needed to get into that program. I think, I think if I had auditioned for music therapy, you know, with a box sonata, it would not have gone as well as, <laughs> as maybe it would have with music, with community music. Wow. Yeah. That's so interesting. Yeah, so I've 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 been in three different programs throughout my university career. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And and so this is obviously what you've stuck with and you're feeling like it's a good fit finally. Yes. Good. I think I mean switching courses, or, sorry, switching programs 
um, does add a lot of strain to your course load. Mm. There were a bunch of courses, you know, I ended up needing to take a summer course while I was working at a summer camp in Nova Scotia that, that year. It was not a great situation. Um, but I think in the long run, it was definitely worth it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So for anybody listening, if you are thinking that, you know, maybe the program you're in isn't the right option, you can explore other options. You don't, I mean, you don't necessarily have to choose and switch, but if you suspect that you're in the wrong program for you, then do something about it. No one's going to judge you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm so glad you said that because obviously you've experienced being in that situation and, and probably the inner turmoil of like, I'm here, I'm on this path, I'm, I'm feeling shaky about it. Like, do I change? Do I ride this out? Like, what are my options? And and that's a lot. And when you're in the moment, sometimes you do just need someone to say like, the best thing you can do is pick the best option for you. And like in three to five years, the it's not it's not going to matter because you're going to be setting yourself up for success so yeah no one's gonna no one's gonna look back on your record and be like oh you were in performance and you dropped out yeah yeah no one's gonna do that (laughs) (laughs) well that's funny because you it's so interesting to hear different programs across states across countries across whatever because when I auditioned for college um I was auditioning to be in the music therapy program but I did audition on the clarinet using like standard you know concerto clarinet literature so it's interesting Mm -hmm. that you said you know if I had had auditioned in that same way on the violin it it wouldn't have gone well um so that makes me wonder like what what does a music therapy audition look like yeah so I shouldn't say that it wouldn't have gone well I had great faculty Mm -hmm. um you probably have heard his name Dr. Colin Lee Mm -hmm. um he was the prof that was running my audition and um, they're a very accessible program at Laurier. They really want anybody who um, meets the criteria is going to get into the program because they want anybody who wants to be a music therapist, they want them to succeed at that. Love so that. I shouldn't say that they wouldn't have taken me, but it definitely would have set me up to be a different music therapist yeah. if I had auditioned with classical material. Interesting. Oh, so cool. But it's also good to hear that... Um the value and emphasis wasn't placed on the classical material in the audition. Maybe that's what I'm getting at is, you know, yeah, it's just so cool. Um, Because I also know I had to take four full years of clarinet lessons in my college career. And I had to do a senior recital, which was 45 to 60 minutes. And the whole time I was going through, I was like, you know, is this actually helping me? Is the time I'm spending preparing for these mini recitals, this big recital in these lessons you know, I would rather be picking up the guitar and mastering my skills on that so I can be good enough that I can be a clinical musician, not just, mm-hmm. you know, play a couple things on the piano or the guitar or ukulele or what have you. So um, I I hope that in the future, the emphasis in, in university shifts to clinical musicianship and spending time on what will be most accessible in sessions, not to say you can't use a clarinet or a violin, um, but yeah, I know I dedicated a lot of time to the clarinet and I haven't touched it since. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, I say that violin is my main instrument, but I mean, I took I took lessons with Yerge, um up until the end of the term last term. So up until about January, I was taking private yeah. lessons since I was six years old. So that became a really important part of my music musical identity. Um, but since that jury, I haven't picked up my violin. Mm -hmm. and 
it's there's a couple of reasons for that it's sort of because um there's a lot of um anxiety for me attached mm -hmm. to the violin um I, I mean I love it I love playing the violin I love the music that I can make on the violin but there's a lot of um perfectionism mm. and I don't want to bring that into sessions with clients I feel mm -hmm. like that's something I need to work through before I <laughs> bring that that for other people um and the other thing was that they don't really teach you how to use orchestral instruments mm -hmm. in sessions you know they they all they all say oh yeah orchestral instruments need to have a, a place in music therapy and it's true I agree but then they don't tell you how to do it mm -hmm. <laughs> so I guess I'm still figuring that out yeah as well well and that being said is there like is there even a wrong way to do it if no one's figured out the right way in order to teach it True. Like, is there a wrong way to use your primary instrument should it be an orchestral instrument in a session True. I mean, okay, I'll, I'll do an addendum. Obviously, there's always a wrong way to use music. We all know that. We're trained <laughs> to know that. But yes. <laughs> yes, but like technically. Yeah. Yeah. And like, you know. Yeah. yeah. Cool. So where do you want to transition from here? Do you want to dive into internship? Is there something else on your mind that you want to share? You take the lead. I am open. I mean, I would love, love, love to talk about Stan Rogers. Um because I absolutely adore him. Cool. Um, I don't know if you want to do that now or if you want to talk about internship, no. this COVID internship that we're in. Or <laughs> Tell us about Stan Rogers. <laughs> oh, Stan Rogers. Where do I begin? Um, people listening who know me are probably already laughing because, you know, I call him my man Stan. <laughs> um, where do I start? He is a, or he was, he unfortunately passed away in the 80s on a, in a plane crash. Um, but he was a Canadian folk musician who wrote a lot of Atlantic Canadian based folk music. He wrote a lot of um, sea shanty inspired music. I wouldn't call them sea shanties cause they're not, but they're sort of inspired that way. They sort of have the same form, you know, like call and response, mm. um, simple melodies, strong beat, easy to follow. Um, but a lot of them have plot lines. So, I mean, are you familiar with his music at all? I don't know that I am, honestly. So no. I'm here to learn. <laughs> um, so one of his most famous songs is Barrett's Privateers. And that one, it's basically, you know, it's the, the main storyteller who sings the main plot. Um, and then there's the chorus that comes in after him and they go back and forth and he has a few songs like that and it tells a story about a guy who um got on a ship in Halifax and he was told that they would fire no guns and shed no tears and they'd go steal a lot of gold from the U.S. ships um but they were their little tiny ship uh, was just sort of a disaster and um their little tiny ship was taken over and he lost both his legs and it took him six years to get back to Halifax and then he says now I'm a broken man on a Halifax pier the last of Barrett's privateers. Um, so that's sort of a rundown on that, on his sea shanty style songs. Um, so I guess I discovered this music. Um, I, I was hired to work at a summer camp in Nova Scotia. 
and I really wanted to use, I was in charge of the music programming. I was like head of music and they, I really wanted to include Canadian music. That was really important to me mm. because um, many of the kids there, um, it was a Jewish summer camp. So a lot of the kids and some of the staff were international um, because there aren't a lot of Jewish summer camps around the world. <laughs> Canada has quite a few. Um, and so I really wanted to use Canadian music to sort of give them a taste of that side of our culture. Mm. And I was like, well, I don't know any Canadian music. Um, and my friend, uh, Veda, she was like, well, you should use Barrett's Privateers. You should use some Stan Rogers. And I listened to it and I was absolutely hooked. Um, and, you know, I brought it, I was, I was all ready. I was going to have the kids learn, you know, each part and they were going to sing. And it turns out that, you know, teens do not enjoy sea shanties and <laughs> Canadian folk music. They don't like it. They wanted to hear, um, what was it? Old Town Road? Yes. Oh <laughs> That's all God. they wanted. I was like, oh, oh man. <laughs> all these plans threw them out the window. What a great exercise and adaptation. <laughs> yes, yes. That was a great learning experience, that camp. Um, but I was like, okay, I know that this is valuable, this music. And my goal with these kids is still valid. Just maybe not with this population. You know, I was sort of transitioning into music therapy at this point. I was sort of thinking, okay, how do I use music with people? Not like, how do I use it intentionally and not just floofy mm. all over the place? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, so I was like, okay, this is still valuable work and this is still a valuable idea. How can I use it in music therapy with clients? And so um, last year or yeah, last term, I did an entire project on um, Stan Rogers and his use in music therapy. And there actually is a lot. And one of the things that I really picked up on, and this is one of the things that, you know, there aren't, there isn't a lot of writing out there on him and there aren't a lot of podcasts out there about him. Not a lot of information just because he died so young and he was sort of a niche in the, in the industry. So there's not a lot out there, but the info that is out there, and it's very apparent when you listen to his music is that he, writes about everyday people mm. and everyday problems and the people that he writes about you know he he hasn't necessarily experienced the things that he's writing about um you know he writes about a lot he writes a lot about the dying fishing industry on the east coast and you know fishermen who moved out west to become calgary roughnecks i'm putting that in quotations um, who go and, you know, they go and dig for oil. Um, and he didn't actually live that, but he's able to write about it. He didn't actually live the life of a farmer, but he's able to write about it. And so I, I, I sort of had to do a bit of digging and, and think about what does that mean to use that kind of music, that sort of perspective in music therapy. Hmm. And I came up with the, I mean, maybe someone else has thought of this already, but I thought it was kind of original. The idea of empathetic songwriting where you you think about the experiences of someone else you walk a mile in their shoes and then you put it in the music and that's something that he did which I think makes his music really valid and important in music therapy is his approach to his songwriting um yeah so that's a bit about Stan Rogers he's got a bunch of different styles he does 
the sea shanties and the adventure songs he also did a bunch of um like traditional sounding music mm -hmm. um he would take old english irish scottish poems and set them to music um and he would also write in that style oh, excuse me <laughs> yeah so that's a bit about him um Anything else you want to know about Stan? Well, I could talk about him all day. <laughs> I mean, go for it. I'm I'm taking that in because I I love I love that journey where you you saw the potential in this idea. Uh, it didn't go as planned, so you had to rethink it, and then you have expanded on it and like mm -hmm. taken the time to do projects on it. And I know now you're doing some research about you know yeah. what this could be and what it looks like and why this is important and. Um, Sometimes I think we can, and maybe this is just me, be so separated from the music we work with or with the artists we work with. You know, it's kind of like yeah. they're performers, they're songwriters, we're music therapists. You know, we're not performing this music in sessions. We're creating connection with it and addressing different therapeutic goals with it. Um, but it's cool to take like the aspects of songwriting and what inspired him and his music and transfer it to your clinical practice. I think that's really cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, not just musically, but, you know, theoretically, I've learned a lot from Stan's approach and how he's able to reflect back the emotions and experiences of people in his music. Mm -hmm. And I think also musically speaking, his music, you know, he's so good at, at that reflection that it makes you feel like he really understands you know, like when you listen to his music, you really, you know, it's like, this guy gets me. This guy, I mean, maybe I'm not a farmer, but maybe he understands what it is to like lay your life on the line for your job. Mm. You know, that sort of connection with him. Well, maybe that's just because I really love his music. But <laughs> <laughs> you can go listen and let me know if you have the same sort of experience. Um yeah, and using that in therapy, using that idea that you wanna, you want your clients to really un feel like you're hearing them, and you're understanding them, and reflect that back to them in in the music. Yeah, yeah, I think that's also cool. Um, it's making me think about so many of the people we work with, and lots of them we can't relate to their experiences, you know, mm -hmm. personally, one way or yeah. another. Um, but music allows us to emulate those emotions in a way that we as people might not be able to since we haven't mm -hmm. had those experiences. You know, there's sympathy yeah. versus empathy. Um, but once you once you get into the music and like you can access that emotional component, um, yeah, you can you can create that connection so much deeper and, mm -hmm. and our modality allows us to do that in such a beautiful way. Yeah, and maybe it's not, I understand you, because maybe you don't, but maybe it's, I hear you, mm -hmm. and this is how I'm interpreting what you're telling me, or yeah. what you're expressing to me in your music. Yeah. Oh, so well yeah. said. Mm -hmm. So this work with Stan's music um, sort of has made me question what it means for a Canadian music therapist to use 
Canadian music with Canadian clients. Mm. What does that mean? And, you know, I don't really have an answer. This is sort of where my research gets a little muddy. I, I have all these questions and I have no answers. Um, I don't have the answer to that. Um, and I'm also very aware that that question um, is influenced by a lot of my own biases. Mm. You know, for me, I I have Scottish heritage. I have like a lot of my family on my mom's side came from Nova Scotia. And so for me to listen to this music, you know, listen to fiddle music from Cape Breton, listen to Stan's music, it's probably one of the most Canadian things I can do for me. But for someone else who's, you know, maybe come from an immigrant family who is Canadian, but they're not, they don't really identify with East Coast music, that might not be Canadian to them. And so, you know, asking the question, what does it mean for a Canadian music therapist to use Canadian music with their clients? It, oh shoot, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> Canadian music therapists using Canadian music with their clients and your Right, biases. right, because it's, it's difficult to define music therapy, or not music therapy, Canadian music and what it means to be Canadian. So it's difficult to define Canadian music in music therapy. Does that mm. make sense? Yeah. I kind of lost my train of thought there, but yeah, it's just difficult to define anything in Canada because we, we're such a mishmash of <laughs> different cultures. And, you know, the word diverse is thrown, thrown around a lot up here. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's it's also interesting because um, we talk a lot about cultural humility and, you know, even if you're aware of someone's background and their a cultural identity you know even if mm-hmm. you touched on this they might not identify with that that music but you're also creating this opportunity where if someone is say also from Nova Scotia their heritage is there and if they haven't heard this music before but you bring it to them as an option suddenly you may have made a connection that they they weren't even aware existed you know mm-hmm. maybe they've always listened to Old Town Road <laughs> but then pulling yeah. out some of this uh, Stan Rogers music might might be able to hit them in a different way uh, and allow you allow you to connect with them. Um, yeah, I'm thinking about people who like, you know, do some soul searching maybe later in life or whatever and bringing back music and say, hey, like someone who this is written about where you used to live or like where your family came from. And yeah, um, that could open up a really cool part of them. Yeah. And so much of his music is about leaving the East Coast for whatever reason, you know, the Mm. job is dying, they don't have enough money, that sort of thing. So, you know, with the people that you're talking about, you know, this is about where you used to live, that could be really powerful, because it's about missing the East Coast, Mm. a lot of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Another issue that I've run into, something that's actually very uncomfortable, (laughs) I think a lot of people feel this discomfort, um, is, you know, when you're defining Canadian music, where does indigenous music fall within that Mm. definition obviously it's canadian i mean maybe not obviously i actually know nothing about indigenous culture i think our our education system kind of failed us all in that area um yeah how do you place indigenous canadian music into this framework do you or, you know, does it fit? Does it get its own category? Um, and also, what would it mean for a Canadian, Canadian in quotes, 
um, a Canadian music therapist to implement indigenous Canadian indigenous philosophy of healing in their sessions. Mm. Is that appropriate? Would it be offensive or would it be encouraged? I I have no idea. Yeah. Another another end open question. <laughs> yeah, well you're hitting on such like broad big existential questions cuz you know yeah. in in many cultures and I know you've likely learned about this in school is like if you present music therapy to to many many cultures they would be like what do you mean music therapy music is just part of life like of course it's healing it's part of our everyday culture you know why do we need a trained professional to use music with this science base you know why is that important um so like we as a profession have a whole are still are still coming to grips with that you know so like can can we use like cultures that have music as just part of their daily healing mm-hmm. um obviously it's working obviously we see the value in in using music in that way and you know for our culture <laughs> as you know white people in, in western yeah, societies <laughs> yeah we, we have to bring yeah. the music to people and explain to them why it's important and convince them why they should be a part of it um, so yeah, there's a lot to dive into there and I, I certainly don't have all the answers. Yeah. No idea. I mean, you're putting my contact info in maybe if, <laughs> if <laughs> listeners have thoughts, yes. please let me know, please. I want to hear from you. Mm-hmm. I need help. <laughs> yeah. I think this yeah. will, this will continue to be, you know, like many things, especially in the past year will continue to be an ongoing conversation that, um, no one will have answers for for a little while, but we'll continue to ponder over and and mm-hmm. write about and talk about and, you know, maybe sometime down the line. Um, we'll at least have a conclusion, you know. I don't want to say it's the right, it'll be the right or wrong answer, but it'll at least be a, a direction for the next, the next generation who has these questions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, just another thought on Stan Rogers and his and him in music therapy um through my you know trying to explore the uses of his music in sessions um I've had a lot of difficulty with that because Mm -hmm. his music for me you know I listen to his music all the time and I noticed at the beginning of internship like pretty quickly um that I was feeling really burnt out really burnt out and my supervisor said well maybe you shouldn't use your absolute favorite music, you know, the music that you really treasure in your sessions. Mm-hmm. And that was really hard because, and it still is really hard because I see the value of using his music in sessions. Um, but I sort of had to back away from it, um, which has also made my research really difficult <laughs> that I can't use it anymore. Um, just because, you know, when I bring it into sessions and then I listen to it, on, you know, in the shower, or, you know, working around the house, I'm only reminded of work with clients and I'm not Mm -hmm. able to really um, engage in music in that self-care sort of way anymore. It's sort of more just like a clinical (laughs) experience for me. Um, You know, one of his songs, Down the Road, I don't think he actually wrote it. I think he arranged it, Um, but he has a great recording of it, Down the Road. Um, And it's great in sessions. It's so good. go listen to it. It's perfect. It's, it's, it's great. Um, great for relaxation. 
and great for um, songwriting, you know, rewriting the lyrics and using the melody. It's got a really accessible chorus. It's perfect. And I decided I can't use it anymore because it's one of my self-care songs that I listen mm-hmm. to for my own self-care. Um, and that was really hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's making me think back to to where we started about our orchestral primary instruments. And um, even though, you know, I'll say we, because we both said this, haven't touched them in a long time, I know myself and many people struggle to use music in our own self-care because it has become such a clinical job-based thing. But perhaps just as this song, like you've saved for yourself for your own self-care, maybe keeping our our orchestral instruments just to ourselves for our own self-care once we yeah. get past this perfectionism maybe that is also a, a way to approach it um you know because you you have this skill set on this instrument and therefore can create music in such a different way than what you can create in the session yeah hmm. totally yeah and i think you know part of the issue came about was because i am um, when you go from being student doing courses you know we have our practicum and we have you know maybe a couple clients a week but that's only an hour of Mm -hmm. direct client contact time and so for me to use Stan's music in those sessions wasn't really a big deal yeah because it was only you know an hour and I I could sort of separate the two yeah but now in internship you know of course when I'm having all these questions about identity and Canadian music and you know it's like okay but I actually have you know, almost 15 hours of clients a week at this point. Um, this is a, a no-go. I cannot use my favorite music in sessions because that that is how I need to, I need to keep it separate for myself at this point. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of uh, music therapists come to that conclusion too. I'm fortunate that um, the groups of clientele I work with don't necessarily listen to the same music I do. So <laughs> I haven't really had to go through that. Um, but yeah, there, there are, everyone has a different solution and what works for them, but there definitely is the conversation out there that like, Hey, these are my 10 songs. And even if a client asks for them, I politely decline because that's the boundary Mm -hmm. I've set. And you know, that's, that's sometimes for some people, that's what they have to do and that's okay. Yeah. So how do you decline when a client asks for, yeah. Well, I, hmm. I, like I said, I haven't done this. So I, I would probably say something like, um, I hear you and that music is really important for you. Um, and maybe to keep it, you know, this is an addendum. If you didn't want to share too much about yourself, you could say, you know, I hear you. And I, and I know that this music is really important to you. Unfortunately, I'm not in a position to use that during our time together. Please save it for your, your own time. Maybe after Mm -hmm. I leave. Um, yeah. cause then they would still be in that headspace from the session to be able to listen to that in, in a, um, likely a thoughtful way. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, you, you could always just be honest with the client and say like, Hey, I, for my own self-care resilience and preservation, I, I keep that song for myself, but you are obviously welcome to listen to it yourself too. But, um, yeah, I'll put, I'll put something out there when this episode comes out, like, Hey, how would you handle this situation? How do you think you would handle yeah. it, Sonia? How do I think I would yeah. handle it? So like if someone was like, I love oh, Stan Rogers, please play me down the road. Oh boy. I would probably say, wow, that's awesome that you love Stan Rogers. I love Stan Rogers too. Um, and then probably say something like what you said, you know, for my own self-care and my own 
um, preservation. I can't bring this music into sessions, but it's really exciting to me that you love this music that I also really love. Mm. Please listen to it um, on your own time. Yeah. 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 Cool. I'd, I'm really interested to see what other people have to say who who implement this practice more than myself because yeah. um, they'll obviously have more actual experience than I do because <laughs> I wouldn't say yeah. to a client, uh, I can't play Wheels on the Bus for you. I really need that for my self-care. <laughs> I mean, if that's your song, <laughs> I'm not judging. <laughs> I really need Old Town Road to myself. Sorry, we can't do oh, that together. Oh, you can have it. <laughs> Oh, what good questions. What, what good, like, yeah. thought-provoking questions you have. Um, yeah. Are you, does research inspire you? Like, do you want to keep going down this road and trying to find these answers? Because I am not the type of person who is super inspired by research. So I love hearing other people, like, coming up with these questions and wanting to dive into them. Yeah. I mean, I'm really interested to know the answers mm. <laughs> to my questions. But I don't know... Um, I mean, my last project for for internship is going to be to try to answer some of these questions. Yeah. I have a feeling it's going to be, here's the information, but I still don't know. Um, and that's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, in terms of like Canadian music, Canadian music in quotations, mm-hmm. um, I'm going to try to write a resource book um, with Stan's music for other people to use his music. Um, just because it is so valuable and important, I think <laughs> maybe yeah. other people will be interested. Also, there are just there's no there are no resources out there on his music at all, um, which was also one of the reasons I really wanted to talk about him today, just to have his name on another podcast that people can find when they want to know more. Um, there's really nothing out there, so you know maybe there's somebody else out there like me who's really into it, but. Um, they have no re- no resources, so I would like to create one. Yeah, when that is yeah. out and available, let me know. And uh, yeah, we'll, it might we'll be a while, it. but I will let you know. No rush, but you know that's this is why things like the Facebook group, uh, music therapy song share, like that's oh. why this exists because you know I am not capable of knowing every song out there and like mm-hmm. what is good to use and how many times do you see someone ask a question and on whatever forum. And, what's a good song to address this? And like, you know, so this is, this will open so many doorways for people to be like, oh, here's Stan Rogers and here's someone else. And here's how this is applicable. And yeah, Yeah. love that. Yeah. I'm sort of picturing, um, we have these, these resource books. I think it's called themes for music therapy. Mm -hmm. Pretty sure it's like a Nordoff Robbins based book. Um, and it lays out, you know, all the hello songs, all the songs for encouraging instrument playing, physical movement, singing, you know, it lays it all out. And then for each one, there's a description of how it could be used and, you know, the intentions behind it. And that's mm-hmm. sort of what I'm picturing for this, but with just stance music. Yeah. <laughs> and oh. just themes. Yeah. What a cool resource. I love yeah. that. That's that's a lot of work. So thank you yes. for <laughs> yeah, your, your contribution to the profession for wanting to do that. I love it. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited about that. I I would say I'm more excited about that than I am about um the research on these questions just cuz it it's so confusing. I feel like every time I sit down to work on it um 
I just get more and more confused and oh sorry my cat's no very worries. excited about this too she loves Stan <laughs> <laughs> but I mean how many scholarly articles do you see that are like uh here the literature review at the beginning is like super short because there's no literature and then they get to their conclusion and they're like this is you know all the things that need to still be explored that this particular article could not touch on and here's the reason why and like you're you're there you're right there at the beginning so mm-hmm. um yeah I think that is very admirable and I am really excited to see where it takes you and where what we can learn from that. Yeah, I'm excited too. Good. <laughs> is there anything else you want to touch on before we go into the rapid fire? Um, I wrote some notes. Let me just see here. Yeah. Love some good notes. Yeah, I am a <laughs> definitely a type A person. I wrote it all out and underlined the ideas love it (laughs) um so let me just check here to make sure i said everything we talked about burnout so yeah we're good we talked about yeah burnout is an important topic (laughs) yeah it is important (laughs) oh i should probably do some more episodes on burnout just for just for the heck of it especially after this year i mean we won't get into that but (laughs) yeah yeah burnout is real do what you gotta do is real and noticing it early I think I mean we can talk about it some more actually some thoughts are coming to my mind Go for it. um yeah I was really good up until last week oh. um you know I went basically January February March April and then almost all of May so almost five months without really feeling burnt out mm-hmm. which is like a pretty good accomplishment when you're going through internship for the first time and you're taking on all these new experiences I, like I felt pretty proud of myself but then I got some pretty difficult feedback from um, some staff where a client is and that just like threw me into burnout mm-hmm. and you know the the weeks leading up to that week you know I was hitting about 40 to 50 hours of work every week you know Mm -hmm. including assignments and scheduling and session planning and all of that the week after that feedback I was like why am I so tired (laughs) why why do I why am I suddenly only getting 20 hours this week what's up with that so that really um threw me into it and giving yourself permission to feel that Mm -hmm. I think is really important because I was trying to push through it Mm -hmm. um and just you know knuckling down and just feeling really um, unmotivated and um, like a loss of energy just from being drained <laughs> by yeah. this. Yeah. So noticing it um, as it's happening and not waiting for it to fester and, you know, before you get really sick from it. Um, I know a few people who have become like physically ill from burnout and not, not letting it, noticing it creeping before it's a full on tsunami (laughs) yeah before your body tells you yeah yeah um I took Ami's course and you know one of the main causes of burnout is uh and I'll probably say the words wrong but like unknown expectations when you don't know what the expectations are of you and therefore you don't meet them and you get Mm -hmm. feedback like that and it's you know it's kind of like I didn't know this expectation and so it's so easy to take it personally and not know where to go from there and like now then you think more like what are the expectations and you know uh internship is in the reality such a short period it's long for most professions have an internship as long as ours but like six months is is like some time to get your sea legs going and 
you know, you're starting to get the groove and know what's expected of you. And then you're thrown into the professional world. So yeah. 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 Definitely. Yeah. Totally can happen. And it's awesome that you recognize that. Cause if anyone else is going through that right now, like <laughs> I'm an internship, I'm supposed to get feedback. Why is it affecting me like this? Well, because you're processing it and that's the point of internship. Yeah. So good job. <laughs> yeah. And you're putting so much pressure on yourself. I mean, mm -hmm. I know I did. I sort of just assume that that's a normal thing that people are just putting pressure on themselves. Yeah. And, you know, when you're striving for excellence all the time, that alone can be draining. Mm -hmm. But then also when you hear that it's not enough yeah. or that you need to be doing something different, that can be really deflating. Yeah. Yeah. And so like realizing that and acknowledging that, like it's okay to be deflated by this because I am striving for excellence. Um, but then also taking the feedback and applying it of yeah. course yeah I a mantra yeah. I always tell myself because I don't know if you know this but I, I am a contracted music therapist I serve in many different locations and that's you know expectations all the time I'm navigating them because I'm not in one location to know what they are and to work closely with the team um, so a mantra I always tell myself is feedback is good it gives me direction mm -hmm. and then that just helps me like separate it from my person and just take it for what it is. Feedback is a good. It gives me direction. Cool. You know, before I thought I had a direction, yeah. it wasn't working. Feedback is good. It gives me direction. So mm -hmm. take that if you will. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Feedback is good. I should also say that. I do love feedback. <laughs> <laughs> I do love it because it helps you grow. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Feedback Even if is it's good, hard, it helps, you grow. it helps you grow. Exactly. Even if you don't agree with it. It helps you grow because mm -hmm. then you can realize, okay, I don't agree with this. This is how I define myself. Totally. Yeah. That's, that's so valid too. And then, you know, of course you can dive into why, why does this feel wrong to me? You know, yeah. is it, am I being defensive? Is it just not aligned with who I am and my beliefs as a person? Like, why do I have resistance and discomfort with this feedback? You know, that's a lot of self-awareness mm -hmm. right there. Again, yeah. is it, is it me or am I just not ready to hear it? True. Cool. All right. Are you ready for the rapid fire? Yes, I am. Uh, we touched on so many great <laughs> topics today. This is a good one. So yeah. the first one is early bird or night owl. Um, I have a history with like sleep disorders. Oh. So I mean like neither. Mm. Um, I wake up at 4 a.m. pretty much consistently and sometimes have trouble falling back asleep. That is not my own choice. That's just something my body does. But then also, you know, some nights I can't fall asleep. So neither. Oh, <laughs> sorry. sorry. Don't be sorry. I'm sorry. You have to deal with that. Like, that's not fun at all. One of my best friends from college has narcolepsy. And uh, oh. she was not diagnosed when we were in college. And oh, so no. navigating that was always an adventure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, or, or I just asked that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I skipped the first one. That's why I'm confused. Coffee right. or tea? definitely tea <laughs> definitely i'm sipping on it <laughs> i was wondering i'm like she has a mug she she knows the routine i gotta know what's in that mug i actually had hot chocolate today it's a hot chocolate oh, thing here that's awesome it's rainy I and had hot chocolate yesterday it was snowing canada it was right? snowing <laughs> canada eh <laughs> yeah right well so uh, i don't think the listeners know but we talked about i'm like three hours from the canadian border uh and it's raining here and like mid 40s so i don't think we'll get snow but we're you know we're like that cold raw rain that's not fun <laughs> mid 40s that's what temperature is oh that? right celsius, celsius. um <laughs> 
mid 40s uh so seven like degrees celsius oh that's pretty cold yeah so we're close to freezing <laughs> yeah so it's like okay. it's very raw rain very like gets into your bones and gross yeah gross <laughs> something you would tell your younger self Okay, so I have been listening to a lot of your podcast to prepare for these questions. <laughs> and because <laughs> I'm type A and I need to <laughs> prepare myself. And um, this one I put some thought into. And I think I would tell my younger self, um, take advantage of your teachers mm. and the people around you, even when you're like little like you're in kindergarten or you're in preschool, like take advantage of those people who are trying to impart their wisdom and their knowledge to you because there will come a time, you know, when you graduate university or whenever it is where you won't have access to it as easily. You, I mean, you can always do courses and you can always reach out to people, but you're never going to have that experience of somebody who is like consistently dedicated to teaching you yeah yeah so learn while you can and as much as you can love that. yeah love that and that's why feedback is good because you can learn yes. as much as you can yes yeah well said your music therapy elevator speech <laughs> oh boy um i mean i would probably say i've i actually haven't had to do this other than in my internship interview um but it would probably be something like you know using music in a clinical and methodical approach to reach certain health-based goals or some musical goals um but i would probably also add on to that and say that it's um addressing goals of the clients by developing relationships mm. through music it's not just um, you know, cold hearted science of music and, you know, it's not all clinical and stuff like that. It's, it's um, the relationship between the therapist and the client. Yeah. Well said. Yeah. Your favorite self-care practice. I really love food. Um, something for me that's pretty important is separating my off time and my relaxation time with different food. Mm. um so you know throughout the week I'll eat like <laughs> whatever's around my mom and I will have like frozen fish or um with beans and broccoli and it's all pretty basic but then on the weekends I really love to get takeout yeah I love Indian food <laughs> awesome yeah. I love that yeah so really like separating your self-care time with self-care food yes yeah oh I like that I like that so yeah. much Something that's currently adding value to your life. My cat. <laughs> my cat, Bonnie. And I should also say my cat, Phoebe. Mm. Um, since I've moved back, they, they're they good friends right now. <laughs> it's important with cats. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Good. Um, so this one might be a no-brainer, but your favorite intervention or song to use in a session? Um. I don't use it anymore, as we discussed, but down the road mm -hmm. um, for other people who are listening, you know, seriously investigate it. And honestly, any Stan Rogers music, go, go listen. And that's amazing. Um, but that I use, um, my supervisors introduced me to the song Loch Lomond. 
and um the chorus goes you'll take the high road and i'll take the low road that one and so um a common activity that we do with that one is you know we get clients to play their instruments up high on the word high and then down low on the word low and i really love that one yeah yeah love that yeah and it sort of has a similar feel to a lot of stan rogers music mm -hmm. um but it's not Stan Rogers. So there you go. I can use it. <laughs> Love that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You have a whole genre you can explore oh, there. Yes. yes. All right. The last question is where can the listeners find you and connect with you? Um, they can email me um, at my email address, S O N J A L U M O M as in mother at hotmail.com. Um, that's one way but you might prefer Instagram and my Instagram is at stones.5, the word five, not the number. Um, and I'm, that's a pretty new account, um, but I encourage you to go check it out. Um, I post music recordings every week, um, some originals, some covers, I'll take requests. <laughs> um, and if you want to connect with me with any of the things that we talked about, that would also be a good place to do that. Awesome. I will yeah. have those linked for everyone. Thank you so Amazing. much for coming on and, and wanting to share and being open and vulnerable and, you know, asking these questions. And I know that yeah. other people listening will, will gain a lot of this, a lot of insight and also just a lot to, to ponder over. So I'm excited to see the conversation expand. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Of course. <laughs> it's, been, it's been great. <laughs> good, good. Have a wonderful rest of your weekend. Thank you. You too. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. One of my favorite things about the show is hearing where different people's passions lie and what interests them and what they're diving into and the questions they're asking. Um, and I obviously don't have all the answers or most of the answers. So I hope that after listening to this show, you are feeling inspired to also ask questions. Maybe you do have some thoughts on these topics, in which case, of course, follow us online so that you can join the conversation and uh, contribute your thoughts. You can find us at Music Therapy Chronicles on all the platforms and join our Facebook group. This would be a great conversation thread to get going and in the Facebook group about you know, what our thoughts are on all the things that came up in this episode. Please also consider becoming a patron on patreon.com that really supports the show. And another great way to support the show is by checking out the podcast pod courses that are available at the Music Therapy Podcast Collective. You can find those at mtpodcastcollective.com. Uh, and you can also follow MT Podcast Collective on all the social media platforms. So you know what pod courses are coming out when, and you can get some discount codes when when the, they're available. As always, please consider leaving us a rating and review. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. And if you or someone you know wants to be on the show, please let me know by sending an email to hello at musictherapychronicles.com. Our quote is from Stan Rogers and reads, there's little time to spend sitting down when feeling good means moving around. <laughs>